0: is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian
1: Kaskavalsian.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian cascavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And on today's episode, I'm gonna introduce you to my client, Justin Bartley from Next Door and Window out of the Chicagoland area. Now, Justin is one of the most disciplined business owners I've ever known. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how he's grown his business over the last 15 years. Um, He's going to talk about some big lessons, what he does differently, and some of the important decisions that he's made over the last 15 years. An interesting part of this conversation is also going to come from what would he have done differently to get to his results faster? So this is a great episode. It's packed with useful information. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. All right, Justin. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast.
1: Thanks
0: for having me today, Brian. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know that you've got a lot to offer. You know where I, where I'd like to start is. Let's give everybody kind of your 60 second story. Where did you start, and where is Next Door and Windows? today
1: I started working at my family's garage door uh, replacement business here in Chicago Uh, so that was in the early to mid 80s and I started basically summer vacations uh, Christmas vacations and so forth working in the warehouse uh, and then uh, moving up to uh, a helper doing installations and then I went on to install garage doors pretty much up through my 20s uh, and also had a lot of experience with uh, doing sales so that's really where I started uh, installing garage doors really in the alleys of Chicago and our uh, real competitive advantage then was speed and we would often get a phone call and be out there the same day and provide the service or do the garage door installation the same day the person called So that was our our real uh, secret sauce back then. Uh, So I went on to do that uh, till about age 30 and I knew I needed to uh, make a decision to to stay at that company and and take that company on. Uh, And when I realized that that wasn't necessarily in the cards, I decided to uh, leave that business and start next door and window. That was in 2002. And it was a clear decision at that point that we wanted to focus on just window and entry door and patio door replacement and move away from the garage door business. Did you, so,
0: Hey Justin, sorry to interrupt you, but did you start on your own? Was it just you?
1: Uh, I left my, my uh, father's business. He, uh, he helped me get started and uh, actually was totally behind me leaving. And after I left shortly after, uh, my dad did come over and uh, join the company as well. And uh, in the early days, my my brother also was part of the business, and he is no longer uh, still in the business.
0: Were they Were they partners, or or did they work for you?
1: Yes, all all three uh, all three were partners at one time.
0: Oh, okay, cool. But you started But you started next door and window on your own. It was just you. It was just me in the beginning. Yes. Okay. So that was 2002. That was 15 years ago. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about your kind of what separates you and what makes you different. But tell us a little bit about the business today.
1: Okay. Well, uh, today we have uh, about 60 employees. We have uh, a number of subcontractors we work with as well as part of our installation team. And we sell and install wood fiberglass uh, vi- and vinyl windows, as well as uh, entry doors. And our approach, uh, really from the beginning, has been uh, we offer all, all three types of windows, vinyl, fiberglass, and wood windows, and we really tailor uh, the type of project based on the homeowner's uh, budget, their style, and the architecture of their home. So we think we have a, a unique uh, proposition in the way that we go in, into the market, into the home, offering this tailored approach uh, for all of our customers.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how many jobs will you complete in 2017? Oh, about 1,500. 1,500 jobs. Okay. And your sales volume will be about, your installed volume will be about how much? In
1: 2017, we'll do 16 million. Wow, that's awesome.
0: So let me ask you, so you started in 2002, 15 years. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, getting, getting the business to where you got it is really impressive. What are you right now, what are you spending your time on in the business?
1: Right now I spend most of my time with our recruiting process and hiring and training people. Okay. Marketing is still a big part of what I do every day. And we're always looking for ways to innovate our product offering, and our service offering so that we can stay ahead of our competition.
0: Well, and, and, you know, people is, people's a big thing and it always is a big thing. Um, how long did it take you to hire your first salesperson? Well, right off the bat, we, we
1: brought in a salesperson. So, we actually had a salesperson really from day one, and the rest of the operation was something that I, I handled. So we had uh, – my dad was out in the field selling, my brother at the time, and we, we actually had a third uh, salesperson. So really from the beginning, uh, we did have uh, outside salespeople,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I ra- ran the whole entire uh, in- inside operation.
0: Yeah, well, and that's smart, you know, because a lot of people get stuck in the whatever part of the business they either they came from or they're good at. So, and you know, in the in the contracting business, generally people either come from the sales side or they come from the installation side and then they go and they start a company. And. um you know, fortunately or unfortunately, the guys that come, that started as salespeople, they end up going in and being the, you know, the champion salesperson of their company. But the problem with that is they then aren't focused on growing. They're focused on selling. They're doing a full-time job of selling. You know, and then on the other side, you have the, the installers who are out there actually doing the work themselves. And instead of focusing on growing the business, they're, they're focusing on installing products. And so the thing that I've noticed the most in in high-growth companies is that the owner kind of does what you're doing, is you're overlooking the whole thing, and uh, sales is done by a team, marketing is done, or um, production is done by a team. Um, Were you back then, were you also in charge of marketing back then, and was that your thing from the beginning?
1: Yes, and I'd, I'd like to think that I knew this back then, that I should just put all the right people in place. And to some extent, we did that with our, our sales team. But as far as the in, inside operations, running the marketing, answering the phones, running the installation, running the service, I actually did, did that entire process probably for the first year. Uh-huh before I brought in someone to help out in the office. And then I I ran the service and the installation for the next several years until I brought in an installation manager, probably maybe six to seven years later. Then I brought in a service manager. And so I would say that that was probably one thing I would change if I could go back. I would have brought a team on earlier than I did. Yeah, I would go in and, and run each part of the business, figure it out, and then bring in a manager to run that. And ultimately, that's what we did in each area of the business. But, but it probably took me about 10 years to get through that process. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back, I th- think I probably would have tried to do that in the first maybe three to five years, have a good management team in place, and. That would have freed up more time i think to look for growth opportunities i I completely agree with your statement earlier that that's probably the the biggest uh, challenge for for business owners and especially new business owners who do wear too many hats yeah and they can't they can't break through that uh to help see the see the forest and and hire the right people and, and grow the business so they get stuck doing too many jobs and it's it's hard to grow the company in that type of environment,
0: well, you know it's funny. I tell the story about my my second business, which started off as a uh essentially a tub refinishing business and I had read the emF a couple of years before that, and um You know, in the E myth, he says, work on your business, not in the business. If you're going to, if you're a plumber, go start an auto shop. If you're an auto mechanic, go start a plumbing business so that you don't do, you know, what I call the thing in your business. And so I, when I got into that business, I did not learn how to refinish a bathtub. I did not know how to do it. And that forced me to focus on how do I sell this? How do I how do I create a business out of this? And that was, you know, for, if I look at you know a lot of different markers, that was probably one of my most successful companies because I didn't get bogged down in 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 uh, the actual going out and doing of the thing. Um, how long how long did it take you to get to a million dollars in sales? I think we. Got to a million pretty quickly, probably within the first
1: uh, maybe eighteen months. Yeah, to uh, two years, we broke through the million pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and again, not surprising because of the way it was initially structured. What about what about five million? How long did it take you to get to five? I think we really added
1: up about give or take. Uh, a few percentages here and there and a few million here or there. But I I think we, we, we are pretty steady with our growth of, you know, somewhere around around a million a year. So it probably took us about five years to get to 5 million and about 10 years
0: to get to 10 million. Um, What, what is the biggest or what was your kind of biggest challenge? Let's say, in, in going from a million dollars to five million dollars as as the owner of the company, what was your kind of biggest challenge?
1: The biggest challenge at that point was freeing myself up time to work on marketing because we all know that marketing is something we need every day to drive leads into the business. Yeah. and. I was working probably 80 hours a week probably for the first 7 at least 7 or 8 years of the business and I was I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to marketing. I was putting out fires, I was running installs and service and working 7 days a week doing that. So that was the hardest thing was to to find the right people to come in to join the business and and Help me run different areas of the business to free up time to work on marketing. And so that was probably my, my biggest challenge at that time and during those first five years.
0: But did you have a – was $5 million, was it a, a, a goal that was written down? Was it known in the business that, hey, our goal is to get to to, to $5 million? Or did it just kind of happen organically, grew a million dollars a year?
1: I've always been a planner so it was always something that was written down yeah but it was it was never uh, provided to anybody else in the company it was kind of you know my own my own goal and it wasn't shared throughout the
0: company until more recently so um, one thing that Justin said that I I want to come back to and just highlight Uh, for everybody listening as Justin said and I knew knew the answer and it was what I was looking for is Justin has always been a planner Um, you know success doesn't just happen it has to be put out there and it has to be planned for in fact um, in getting ready for this podcast I think he's the only person I've done probably 30 of these interviews now Justin actually sent me out a couple pages of notes just because he's just so prepared and he plans for everything. So it actually kind of makes my job easier. I don't know if I've made the job easier for him because I'm going off the script, but it gave me a really good uh, 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 background. So, all right. So I just wanted to highlight that, that you've always been a planner. So, what about the biggest challenge going from five million to ten million? Was it the same? Was it different? I think it was. It was a lot of the same.
1: Still trying to put the right people in place. Mm -hmm. You know, for the first ten years of that, I'd say that was our story. That uh, we were always missing some key people, and I think it it took roughly ten years before we had a pretty solid team in place, but then you have to, you know, your marketing has to, has to grow along with it. So that was the piece that was always falling behind was, you know, how can we step up our marketing? And I I was still running the marketing, you know, well, well, uh, into the first 10 years. And so I, would say, uh, what began to, uh, emerge as a real challenge at that point was also, Finding and hiring salespeople. You know, as we had to go to, to six salespeople, and then to seven, and then to eight, it became very difficult for us for us to to recruit good salespeople and provide training to them. And so that was probably a real challenge for us that started to emerge as we tried to uh, reach that $10 million mark. And it still is a major challenge today.
0: Well, yeah. And you said that that's that's what you're spending your time on now is is people.
1: Yes, I think for, for me right now and for, for anybody in this company and any manager in this company, hiring, having the, the right hiring skills is one of the most important skills uh, that you, you need to possess to be successful. You know, managing any any uh, department or any group of people, you know, it's putting the right people in the right seat and if you can find that right person your your life can can change uh, drastically and if if you fill that seat with the wrong person you're going to go backwards and you're going to have nothing but headaches so hiring skills and and making recruiting a part of the culture of your business that's something that we've done more recently and and that's what's allowed us to really uh, continue to grow the
0: business at this point Yeah. Any business is all about the people. And as I get, you know, and I'm still learning, you know, I've been in business for over, God, I hate to even say it, but I've been in business on my own for 25 years. And I'm, you know, a lot of this stuff, I'm just even still, I look back and I think about the hundreds of people that I've had work with me. And a lot of times I kept people on for way too long. I didn't hire – I didn't have a really good system for hiring great people. And I think also there were times where I cheaped out. You know, like instead of paying more and getting somebody better, I thought, well, let me pay less. And somehow magically my system or my company will solve their shortcomings. Um, What's your – kind of what's your philosophy on that with with hiring yeah with, uh, around pay
1: well I, I believe that hiring and and your people is is not an area that you want to uh to skimp on yeah and I believe that you know we have there's a good majority of the people that are with us today that that we hired in those early years so we have even though the company is only 15 years old, we have several people that have been here 12, 13, 14 years. We probably have eight or 10 people that have been here over 10 years. Wow. And I think we have a great culture here and we provide a lot of great opportunity for people to learn and grow. And I I'd like to think that we have a pay scale that's, you know, above. The average for this industry. And we're proud of that. And, it, and it's the value that, you know, ultimately the our customer gets when, when they have that installer out there. And one of our installers, you know, has been, had, had worked with us at the garage door company, you know, back in the in the mid 80s, who's with us today. Wow. So he's been install, installing for over 30 years. And he's, he's one of the best installers that I've ever seen out in the marketplace and that so that's that's the value we bring to the customer by you know finding the very best people that we can find and you know we want to pay whatever it takes in order to get those people to join our
0: company yeah and and that's the last couple years that's kind of where I've been too is I, I don't want to cheap out on that anymore it's a big mistake to cheap out so That brings me into so one of the things that I know about uh, that I know about you is is and and next door and window is that you are not out there competing on price you're you're out there competing on value so you know we learned a little bit about what differentiates you from other companies Um, but at the same time you know you got good people you have to pay for You have marketing that you have to pay for, and I know that you deliver an amazing customer experience because that's you've you've been all about the customer experience. I think from the beginning, back even before you started the company. So we know all of that. My question to you is to the people out there that are that are listening to this and saying, well, yeah, I mean, how do you? Yeah, you have 16 million dollars coming in. Yeah, you can afford to pay for all of that. But I think that when you were five million dollars, you were the same way, and you didn't compete on price, and you were very clear about hey, we're in this this to make a profit and profit is what drives everything. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on on that and and pricing and you know how, how not to compete on price and why you wouldn't yeah. yes from from day one, we always
1: looked for ways. To bring a product to the marketplace that was different than our competition, so it really did start there. And though all of us have, you know, fairly limited choices with what products we can use, uh, there are things out there that we've done to really innovate our, our offering uh, and our the enhanced uh, value that, that we bring to the products. Just for example, early on. We were fortunate enough to uh, form a relationship with the Infinity Windows uh, from Marvin. So that would be one example. Uh, they have a fiberglass window that's uh, really taken hold in the marketplace. And we were one of the early dealers uh, to, to uh, take advantage of that opportunity and grow that product in the marketplace. Uh, so that's one example. Another example would be our our in-house pre-finishing and the custom staining that we offer where we'll actually match any stain color that the customer has in their home. We'll rehang window treatments. We'll, you know, we'll take window treatments down and rehang window treatments back up when we're finished. So we've chosen to do things that most of our competitors don't wanna do or, or don't do so that we can truly separate you know, the, the product offering itself so that's probably the the number one thing we focused uh, focused on from early on uh, the next part is the customer service and hiring a service technician probably in our in our second or third year you know hiring a full-time service technician and making the investment to try to figure out how to pay for a service technician so that when a customer called us with a problem we could go there that day and take care of their problem. And that's something that you you don't really find in the home improvement space, or if companies are using using subcontractors, they they have a hard time getting to the services when people have a problem. And so the customer service element and and really investing in that area, even though it's a big cost to the business, I think has resulted in the 45% Repeat and referral business that we've maintained even to this day. So really focusing on the service, and over the past eight years or so, really surveying all of our customers to find out how we're doing. And uh, we use uh, you know a, a few different methods to do that, and we certainly use the uh, the G4 survey and the one into five program uh, to help us to uh, you know stay in contact with our customers and and to get uh, surveys completed. Uh, More recently, as we've become a little more sophisticated, and uh, I was able to bring in a, a controller into the business about two and a half years ago, and we spoke about how that was a real key breakthrough, was getting the right people in place. And I was spending three hours a day doing job costing and accounting work, just as recently as two and a half years ago. And when it, when we were able to bring in a controller, that really changed, uh, changed my life by freeing up three hours of my day. Uh, and it also allowed us to get a lot more uh, financial information and to really build a full company budget. And so to have a full financial plan along with Financial targets that you want to hit, it makes it easier easier to understand where you need to go from a pricing point uh, standpoint, and where you need to price your products in order to have the bottom line that you want at the end of the year. So those are kind of the the sequence of things that that we've done in order to uh, command the the price point that we do in the marketplace. Uh, uh, you know, on a daily basis, even though it's very competitive, it's a very competitive market as we know. Oh yeah. But every day we're we're among the high we're among the highest price point, and we're proud of that, and that's uh, that's something that is part of our business model.
0: And and I just want to point out, you know, and I think that this is really key, and this is this is a common thread through the most successful companies out there, is what Justin said about you know they know their costs they have a budget they they budget for profit and then they figure out what their pricing needs to be in order for them to pay for everything and 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 get the profit that they deserve and then what they do is they go out and they earn that profit i, I, I know and, and if i'm saying it wrong I, you didn't say it exactly that way Ben. if i'm saying it wrong please correct me but that's the way that that i interpret What you just said, and it's very common in the most successful companies that that I've seen um, is you have to charge the right price, quote, you know, right in quotes, whatever. And the right price for you might not be the right the same price as the guy down the street.
1: That's right. Everybody's business, depending on the size of the business and their overhead, everybody's numbers are going to vary quite a bit, although. Anybody in the window business are going to have uh, similar numbers, but the key is to get get a plan down on paper, You know, make a full income statement, a full budget, look at your gross profit, look at the gross profit that you know you need to maintain based on your overhead to earn that 10% minimum net profit at the end of the year. Yeah. And once you have that number and you know that number, it's going to, it's going to be real easy to determine the price that in which you need to sell the job at.
0: So um, can we, can we go a few more minutes, Justin? Yes. All right. So um, the, the, the last, and there's, there's, you know, like with a lot of these podcasts, you know, for, for those of you listening, I purpose purposely try and keep them at around 30 minutes Um, And sometimes it's really, really hard Uh, with Justin. I've got, you know, seven or eight other things that I can talk to him about. I'll ask him if maybe he'll come back another time to talk about some other things, but to wrap up, to wrap up here, um, another trait that Justin has um, that is a common thread through the most successful people that I know is, um, you are, you're quite the, uh, the book person, aren't you?
1: Well, I will say that audible changed my life about <laughs> three or four years ago. I, I, I love books and I love to consume information, Yeah. but like most of us, when you have a business and a family and you try to read a few pages at night before you go to sleep, it used to take me about six months to get through a book. So once I learned about Audible, you know, the audio books, I'm, I'm a member now, I get a book every month, and I I, uh, I listen to at least three books every single month.
0: So what I'm going to say about that to everybody listening is success leaves clues, and it's no coincidence that Justin has the business that he's got, he serves 1,500 you know, clients a year. It's no coincidence that he also is a a big reader. It it almost saddens me when I talk to people, and, and I have a hard time relating with people that aren't readers, that that are not open to the idea of, hey, I can go and shortcut um, my learning curve just by going and reading a couple books on a, on a particular topic. And, um, I just, I, I wanted to make sure and bring that up because I think that's valuable for all of us to hear and be reminded of and two to three books a month. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're talking 30 books minimum a year. Imagine all of the information that you can download and how much of a shortcut that provides you, um, by consuming, um, Uh, that much uh, information Um, real quick here and I'm going to end on this Justin what are your what would you say are kind of your top three book recommendations for people listening that's a tough
1: one (laughs) I would say you already you already mentioned it, it really depends on where you're at in your business as well but for anybody who is still that technician or they're still out in the field 50 percent of their time selling or installing i would recommend the e and you already mentioned that brian yeah. because that really uh it, it really explains the difference between being a technician and being out in the field doing your craft and running a business and and, and the importance of being able to get out of that daily uh, job and Make it the job to run your business. So I would say definitely that's a must-read uh, another one that We talked about just a little bit is called traction.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's that's about uh, EOS Entrepreneurial Operating System. I know Brian you're gonna have more information About that for all of your listeners yeah. uh, later, but I, I think that is a must-read and that will help you put all of the the most important processes in place and to get your leadership team built and get all the right people in the right seat so i would strongly recommend eos that would probably be my top recommendation for anybody who hasn't read that one
0: oh, okay
1: um, and then my third one is called fred factor <laughs> and this one is something that is a mandatory read for for everybody in our company and it's a great uh, fun book about a mail carrier that's the best mail carrier in the world and he, he he wows his his customers every day And it there's a lot of great ideas about things that you can do in your business to really wow your customers on a daily basis and it doesn't matter what job you're doing if you're if you're a driver Or you're a salesperson or you're a manager this book will help you to be the best at uh, you know whatever it is you're doing, and, and that's going to help you progress in your career and and um, take care of your customers at the same time. So the Fred Factor, that was recommended uh, to us from uh, from Chad over at Provia, and it's been a staple in our company. So that would be highly recommended as well. You know what?
0: I've never read that book. I'm gonna I'm gonna order it as soon as we're done. Um, e Myth uh, changed my life in. I don't know, 1995, 1996 was when I first read it and traction. Um, I was, you know, I was really excited to hear that you're, you're so far ahead, um, in the EOS process. We just started the EOS process and we've only been doing it for a month or a month and a half. And it has completely transformed our business, just completely transformed our business. Um, and you've been three years deep into it. So that's, that's, that's awesome. But I, I, I would also recommend both e and Traction. They're, they're game changers. Well, Justin, thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy and, and um, I, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing, um, sharing with us. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to ask you to come back because there's a bunch of stuff on my list that we didn't get to. Um, But to everybody listening, um, this is Brian Kaskavalsian, G4 Marketing Group. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. And until next time, thank you. All right. So that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit wwwg f-o-u-r marketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free no obligation wealthy contractor strategy session now during the strategy session we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth for leads for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing.